Romans chapter 8. And um, we'll start out in verse number 5, but I think before we're done this morning, we're going to back up into chapter 7, seeing as how all of these things um, are uh, connected. And in a lot of ways, the verses that we've been looking at in Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 5, are the culmination of quite a few things um, that uh, begin earlier in the book of Romans, that begin earlier in the book of Romans. So I love to preach, I love to teach, and um, I think, you know, the, the key difference between preaching and teaching is preaching is a, is a declaration of the Word of God. It's declaring what the Word of God says. Teaching is um, an explanation of what's been declared. And um, usually when I'm teaching, I wind up preaching. And usually when I'm preaching, I'm under, I wind up teaching. Um, actually, those five-fold gifts in Ephesians where the last two are pastor and then comma teacher, um, actually those are, are one office, pastor, teacher. Those two go together, and, and that happens to be um, the office that the Lord chose me to occupy. And so I'm telling you all that this morning to tell you that I'm probably going to do a lot more teaching this morning than preaching. And I really am excited about just how the Holy Spirit's going to expound upon some of these things for us and most importantly help us uh, apply those things, these things to our lives. Amen. So Romans chapter 8, verse number 5, it says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, King James Version says, do mind the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now, we started some weeks ago on a subject that I've simply entitled Mindset. And we've looked at the importance of mindset along the way, how... Um, really nothing has greater influence on the reality of life that we're experiencing than our mindset, how our spirits have been born again, but our mindset has to change through the renewing of our minds. We've said that the formation of our mindset is one of the devil's primary objectives, that if he can get us thinking wrong and our minds set in a wrong way, then um, we're pretty much going to be trapped in the behavior that that mindset produces until we allow the Word of God and the Holy Spirit to help us change that mindset, to renew or recondition, reset, if you will, um, our minds. Now, he's talking here in verse 5 um, and revealing to us a very important cause and effect. The effect that is spoken of first is the effect of living according to the flesh. And he says that effect is caused by setting our minds on the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the flesh are those who set their minds on the things of the flesh. But then we also see that the opposite of that is true in the sense that if you want to live according to the Spirit, you then must do what? Set your mind on the things of the Spirit. So the cause and effect is set your mind on the things of the flesh. That's the cause. It's going to produce the effect 
that you live according to the flesh. But the cause is if you set your mind on the things of the Spirit, it will produce the effect in your life of living according to the Spirit. All right? Now, what I want to do this morning, and we'll spill over, I'm sure, into tonight, is to look exactly what it, the Bible teaches us about this living according to the flesh versus living according to the Spirit. Now, there are a lot of folks who get confused by these verses because they think that it's referring to someone who's not born again, um, someone living according to the flesh. This, this is not what he's saying here. This was written to the church at Rome. This was written to men and women who have already been born again. And so there is a problem that we have in the body of Christ, and that is a whole lot of people in the body of Christ, people who have been born again, are still living according to the flesh instead of living according to the Spirit. And what Paul is doing here is more than just identifying a problem. He's not just giving us a diagnosis. He's telling us an answer. He's giving us the answer. In other words, if you're interested in no longer living according to the flesh, but living according to the Spirit, then what you set your mind upon is going to have to change. In other words, if you never stop setting your minds on the on the things, the, your mind on the things of the flesh, you're going to continue to live according to the flesh. Amen. But if we'll begin to practice and if we'll begin to develop and if we'll begin to ask the Lord to help us be more mindful of and to set our minds more and more upon the things of the flesh, this will develop and cultivate within us what the Bible refers to in verse number six as being spiritually minded, as being spiritually minded or we could say it this way, to have a spiritual mindset. So notice the progression that we see in chapter 5, then into chapter 6. If we set our minds on the things of the flesh, not only are we going to live according to the flesh, if we do that long enough, we're going to be carnally minded. In other words, we're going to have a fleshly mindset. Setting your mind on the things of the flesh is going to produce within you a fleshly, carnal mindset. But also, setting your mind, deliberate, intentional action, setting your mind on the things of the Spirit is going to develop within you a spiritual mindset where you become spiritually minded. Remember we said mindsets begin in the brain, but they live in the heart. Amen. And in order to get what's in our heads into our hearts, we have to consistently deliberately, purposefully um, set our minds. It's speaking of a deliberate, intentional act that requires time on your part and my part. It requires effort on your part and my part. It requires follow-through on your part and my part. It requires consistency and discipline on your part and on my part. Amen. And, and I just want to commend you this morning because coming to church is one of many ways that we set our mind on the things of the Spirit. Worshiping God is one of the many ways that we set our mind on the things of the Spirit. I'm going to be the first to raise my hand. Anybody else in the room willing to be honest with me during praise and worship? Your mind was trying to drift to other things. Anybody? I'm the, okay, three of us, seven of us. All right, amen. All right, the rest of you are so holy, you just focused on God and just saw the angels and all that, I'm sure. Amen. Some of you, your minds are on something else right now and you don't even know the question I asked, right? That's okay. Amen. That's okay. Praise, praise God. <laughs> so it requires discipline. Amen. 
like during that song we were singing about the greatness of God. Um, as I was singing that song, I, I was deliberately trying to think of all the great things God has done in the Bible, all the great things He's done in my life, all the great things He's done in this, in this family of faith called Heritage Christian Center in our lives. Amen. In other words, again, deliberately, intentionally setting my mind um, off of distractions and, and, and you know, so many things in life that fight for our attention and singling out my Heavenly Father and, and, you know, as we sing about those different things, His love like a hurricane, uh, you know, again, during that song, deliberately, intentionally singing those lyrics, setting my mind on the love that He has for me, Right? There is no love sweeter than the love you have for me. During that song, deliberately setting my mind on the love that Pam has for me, that my children have for me, that my, that my mom and dad have for me, that, that you have for me. And, and I'm, I'm so thankful for all the love that I enjoy, people who love me on this planet. Amen? And as sweet as that love is, it can't compare to the love the love that my father has for me is even greater than the love of a mom and dad. It's even greater than the love of a spouse or a brother or a sister or, or a child. Are you, are you hearing me this morning? Amen. So again, deliberately setting my mind um, on these things. Praise God. See, the more we do that, the more we set our minds, it helps us become more and more spiritually minded. I wish I could tell you that it worked like a switch in the sense that, well, I guess in one sense it does work like a switch in the sense that, the, that, the, that it's either on or it's off. There's no neutral position. Amen. But what I mean by switch, like you just switched it on and it stays on. Amen. Um, the outside lights, we're replacing those, by the way. I know we've got a couple of them out and we're just, we're upgrading to LEDs and a lot more energy efficient for the church. It's going to be really nice. Thank you, Marcos, for all your hard work on that. Matt, for helping us. Um, procure those at a, at a really nice price and, and so we're, we're excited about that but these outside lights they they don't work on like a, a switch that's on the wall somewhere there's a dusk to dawn switch in other words something triggers them amen and it automatically clicks on you know I wish we could just like put this you know switch on our minds you know that just automatically switches it no it doesn't do it doesn't work that way you have to set your mind and then I wish that I could tell you what what's the what was that thing that they used to advertise on late night television, set it and forget it? You might remember that, some kind of cooking thing that, you know, three easy payments of $33.33 or whatever, you know. Amen. But, you know, he would put the chicken in there and he would say, set it. And then the crowd would go, and forget it, you know. Well, amen. I wish you could just set it and forget it. I, that's not my experience. Amen. You have to set it and you have to keep on setting it, right? On the things of the Spirit because our minds want to try to drift back. Um, and so it's, it's a constant battle. But I will tell you that the more you do it, the easier it becomes. The more you train yourself and discipline yourself as this deliberate intentional act, setting your thoughts in your brain, um, it'll, it'll work its way down in to your heart as your emotions become attached to and drawn to that. Amen. Now, by way of review, on last Sunday evening, we took some time to really look at that, those two words, that phrase, according to. And according to means based upon, in agreement with, and directed by what is stated in. Now, this is really 
really, really important, and you're probably going to hear me say this is really important a lot today and tonight, okay? For those who live according to the flesh, to live according to the flesh means to live a life based upon your flesh. To live a life in agreement with your flesh. And to live a life directed by what is stated in your flesh. Okay? Now, I think it may go without saying, but let me say it anyway. That is not the life we desire. That is not the life that we were created to live. That is not the life of blessing and abundance and, and peace and joy and comfort and contentment and satisfaction that we were created to live. It's certainly not a life of wholeness. Living according to the flesh will not lead you to wholeness. It will not lead you to prosperity. It will not lead you to your best life. Okay? So I want you to understand what's at, at stake here. If, if, if I set my mind on the things of the flesh then my life reality is going to be one based upon my flesh. It's going to be one based upon or that's in agreement with my flesh. And it's going to be a life based upon and directed by what's in my flesh. Okay? Now, I want to try to break this down a little further for you. Um, if, if you've ever, um, let's just say you've, you bake a cake, right? Well, you bake a cake according to the recipe. Amen? In other words, you bake the cake based upon, in agreement with, directed by what's already stated in the recipe. And the idea, of course, is if you follow the recipe, you'll end up with a good result. All right? Um, I've been helping Jake and Bethany put together some furniture. And so we assembled that furniture according to the instructions that came with the furniture. Meaning what? We put the furniture together based upon the instructions. We put the furniture together in agreement with the instructions. We put the furniture together as directed by the instructions. I mean, it had a step one, it had step two, it had a step three, and we let those steps direct us. So again, I'm trying to give you this you know, deeper understanding of what it means to live according to, to live according to the flesh, based upon agreement with, directed by the flesh. Live according to the Spirit, based upon agreement with, directed by the Spirit. Praise God. Now, I also want to point out that, that you know, clearly this is written to born-again believers because if, if, there, if, if a man or woman is not born again, then there's no spirit alive in them to live according to. Amen. Um, and that's what Paul in 1 Corinthians 2 refers to as a natural person. A natural man is someone who is not born again. Their, their spirit is, is not alive or connected with God. And that individual sins by reason, of course. And, and so that's a person who can pretty much sin without a whole lot, if any, regret, remorse, or anything along those lines. When we become born again, and God puts a new spirit in us, and our new spirit becomes one spirit with his spirit, this is not to say that we can't still commit a sin, but it bothers us tremendously when we do, because it's not who we are anymore. It's not who our born-again spirit was created to be 
or how it was recreated in Christ Jesus to live, right? So again, when we set our minds on the things of the flesh, we will live based upon, in agreement with, and directed by what is written upon and contained within our flesh, right? Now, I want this to be a blessing to you this morning. I want it to be uplifting to you. I want it to be beneficial to you, right? But for the record, all right, living according to the flesh is what we're trying to stop doing. Can we agree on that? And living according to the Spirit is what we're trying to do more of. Amen. Or, I, let, let me, I should have said this a moment ago, and it, I, I, I got sidetracked, but it's not, I want you to think of it more like this, okay? Instead of it, set it and forget it. I want you to think of it more as a tipping point, okay? In other words, if, if like just every human being on planet Earth that, you know, we were raised by the flesh and setting our mind on the things of the flesh and we have a, a, a natural and then once we were born again, a carnal mindset, okay? Then we're, our mindset's going to look something like this. In other words, where we tip more towards the flesh, things being on this side, all right? But the more we set our minds on the things of the flesh, notice now our mindset begins to shift, okay? And there comes a tipping point. When our, when it, as a born-again believer, when we look more like this, it doesn't mean we don't ever set our minds on the things of the Spirit. We do. But, but our mindset is more geared towards, our thoughts are more geared towards the things of the flesh. And, and if we were doing it percentage-wise, amen, there's a greater percentage of our mindset is flesh and carnal in nature. But the more, again, they don't, they live in the heart, not the brain. But the more we deliberately, intentionally set our mind on the things of the Spirit, we start to chip away at it, right? And, and there comes that tipping point, amen, where we're more spiritually minded and think more about the things of the Spirit and, and less about the things of the flesh than, than we did previously. Amen. See, some of you, it's, I, I'm struggling to say this, but some of you, you've already experienced that tipping point in your life. And we're just like, yeah, I, I really don't know how to say it either, Pastor Mark, but I know exactly what you're talking about. And that's what I mean when it gets easier. The scales now, now, again, if, if you don't continue in that, it's very easy, you know, and I think some people kind of go like this, right? You know what I'm saying? Depending on the day of the week, maybe, depending on, you know, what's going on, right? But man, that's why, like even when we talk about fasting and, and, um, and, and, and you know, certain periods of time where, you know, we, we push away, because again, fasting and food and all that's flesh, right? And so we're going to take away from the flesh and spend that time prayer and fasting where we, instead of eating, we pray. Notice, see, that's, that's going to be one of these ways to where we can tip those scales um, towards a greater spiritual mindset, towards becoming more and more spiritually minded. What I'm explaining to you right now, I believe is the truest way to explain what we call spiritual growth. Now, what, what we see in the Bible is growing up into Jesus in all things. But you know, this, this idea of spiritual growth, it, it doesn't take place in the Spirit. When your Spirit's born again, it's not a baby Jesus that comes 
to be one with you. It's the resurrected, glorified Jesus that comes to live inside of you. And so it's not that your spirit is growing so much as your mind is being renewed to what's true about you in your spirit and it's creating a spirit reality um, in your life existence. Amen? Is that fair enough? Is that, is that making sense? Okay. So, you know, this engine then of spiritual growth is the renewing of the mind. It's the reconditioning or the resetting of the mind. Amen. All right. Now, let's do this. Praise God. Um, thank you, Jesus. We got, we're going to have time to start this, not going to have time to finish it. Let me, um, thank you, Jesus. I'm trying to decide what's the most beneficial for us right now. All right. <clears throat> Last Sunday, for those of you who were here, if you were not, I'll give you a quick overview of it. Last Sunday, we didn't just jump in at verse number five. We jumped in at verse number one, Romans chapter eight, verse number one. And it begins by saying, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, right? Who walk uh, not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Then he goes on to talk about what Jesus did for us in that he became sinful flesh for us so that we could have the righteous requirement of the law um, given to us. He became sin who knew no sin. He became our sin so that we could become his righteousness. And so as we took that beginning at verse 1, 2, 3, 4, um, that's kind of a running start into where we are this morning again. That's in verse number 5. But if we were to back all the way up into chapter 7. We see some things in chapter 7 that really provide the questions, if you will, that are ultimately answered by the verses on the screen this morning, Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. Are you still with me? Now, one of the first things that we see is that the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul, he talks about the law of Moses. And, of course, this is referring to the Ten Commandments. And those Ten Commandments are commands that God gave to His people through Moses. If you recall, they were written in stone. They were written in stone. Now, it had never been right to kill a man, lie to a man, steal from a man, or have sex with a man's wife, another man's wife. That, or, you understand, that had never been okay. It wasn't that just God decided one day, you know what, that's wrong, they ought not do that anymore, so let me tell them not to do it. No. It had, it had always been wrong, and it always will be wrong. Amen? Amen. It's, it's never right to lie. It's never right to steal. And aren't you glad we don't have to lie and steal to win? You don't have to cheat to win. Amen? On your taxes or anything else. Amen. You don't have to. All right? 
But what few people understand about the Ten Commandments is that God did not give those commandments to make people righteous. He gave those commandments knowing that when He did, it was not going to stop people from sinning. It was going to cause an explosion of sin. It was actually going to produce more sin, not rain sin in. Okay? Now, I know that this sounds very odd to a lot of you, but he said, Paul said, that it wasn't until he was told that it was wrong that by God, the commandment, that it aroused within him a passion. Okay? Let me, this is really important. Now, if I'm offending you, please don't be offended. Hear me out. It's very, very important. If we are told not to do something, it makes us want to do it. The Bible says that bread eaten in secret tastes better. In other words, this idea that we're getting away with something, it makes the bread taste better. Stolen waters, he said, are sweeter. I'm, I'm giving you Bible verses here this morning, okay? A very interesting psychological research experiment that speaks to this dilemma involved the making of a batch of cookies and then those batch of cookies split onto two plates. A group of people came in and they said, you can have cookies off of this plate, but you cannot have cookies off of, off of plate B because these, these cookies are for other people, they're not for you, and, um, and, and, and you can't have them. Then the examiner left the room, left the people in the room. They thought they were waiting for some other purpose. They ate the cookies off of plate A, but eventually there were folks who reached over and snuck some cookies off of plate B the ones they were told they can't have. Later when asked, those who took the cookie they were told they couldn't have said that it was much, much better than the cookies on the first plate. Even though the cookies were made in the same bowl, baked in the same oven at the same time, and just simply divided into those separate plates. Okay? Now, again, if you tell a child, don't touch the stove. Now, the kid didn't even know there was a stove to touch. Now that glowing red eye is intriguing. Notice what's happened. We've set the mind by giving a command not to do something. Are you with me? Now, what we see about God giving commands and it awakening within human beings a sinful passion. You say, well, why would God do such a thing? Let me, let me just try to show you something here. Um, in the state of Alabama, it's illegal to kill somebody. 
but people kill other people in the state of Alabama all the time. Am I right about this? It's illegal to steal. It's illegal to steal cars. It's illegal to, 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 to do all these things, but people do it anyway. See, the reality of it is this. You can't legislate morality. You can't pass a law and it stops somebody from doing something because it's a law, right? Now, there's consequences for breaking that law. There's punishment and all that's spelled out in the law. But just by passing, just by making drugs illegal, you know, if it would to God, just by making something illegal, that it would do away with it altogether. Um, but it doesn't. Because the problem is something deeper inside of us. Amen? As a matter of fact, watch this now. Some states are thinking, well, the answer now is because our prisons are overcrowded, the court system's overcrowded, judges are not enough judges to try the cases. Let's just legalize the drugs. Okay? Well, if it was no longer a crime in the state of Alabama to possess and consume heroin, uh, it still wouldn't change the misery that heroin produces in a person's life. So notice now, the, the consequences, legal consequences, of course, but the, the true consequences of these behaviors are more than just prison sentences or fines, right? The true dilemma is internal in both cases. Are you with me? So in Romans chapter 7 and 8, we see that he first talks about the law of Moses and its place and its importance. But he also explains to us that the law of Moses caused an explosion of sin. Why is that the case? Well, it's because Father is trying to bring us to a greater conclusion. And first of all, the greater conclusion is that we need a Savior. That we can't make ourselves right by our own obedience to the law. And anyone who thinks they can is sorely, sorely confused. That unless we receive right standing with God as a free gift, we will never have right standing with God. But the second thing, and this is really important, and you've got to read it closely. Hopefully after I explain these things to you, and this, this is not a shameless plug. There's a whole chapter in the book devoted, Becoming a Threat to Addiction. There's a whole chapter in the book devoted to this. It's called Keep Flying the Plane, all right? So, but let me get back to this now. Oh, thank you, Jesus. There is another law that we need to understand. And that law is the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death. Are you with me? Paul said the law of sin and death is not written in stone like the Ten Commandments, but it's another law. Are you with me? It's another law, less known law, that's not written in stone, but it's written in your flesh. Literally written in your members. The, the, the physical members of your body. There is a law written there. It is the law of sin and death. Okay? And this is why when you tell someone not to do something, it makes them want to do it more. When you tell somebody they can't have something, it makes them want to have it more and even convinces them 
that the cookies that they couldn't have, the forbidden bread, the stolen waters, that they taste better than ones that were received uh, legally, if you will. Are you still with me now? This is what traps people in sexual sin. The, the, the thrill, the rush of something forbidden, the forbidden fruit, the forbidden relationship, the extramarital affair, the, the, the temporary uh, initial aspects of that. Is, 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 it has a, an appeal to the flesh. Amen or on me about this? Come on now. Take no pleasure in saying and talking about that, but it's, it's the reality of it. It's, 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 what, it's what draws people into those things. It's what they've told they can't have. The flesh wants it and is convinced that it's better than what God says they can have. That's the law of sin and death. And that's the real thing, that's the real problem, if you will, that Jesus came to fix for us. That's the, that's the issue, the deeper hidden issue that needs to be addressed in our lives, right? Now, let me, I hate to end here, but let me talk to you for just a moment about this law of sin and death, right? The first thing we see about it is it's written in our flesh. Okay. It is a result of Adam's sin. The Bible says it's present in our members. And the Bible says it's why the laws in stone arouse sinful passions. He also said, and this is a big one, it's the reason we continue to do things we despise and no longer want to do. Paul asked in the middle of this teaching in Romans chapter 7, he says, why do I keep doing the thing I despise? Why, why do I keep doing the thing, committing the sin, that I no longer want to commit? Well, there's a law at work, he says, in his members that's, that's driving this, that's behind this, and we need to understand it. And not only do we need to understand it, we need to understand how to overcome it. Amen? This law of sin and death makes doing good seem hard and unappealing. <laughs> Come on now. It's, it makes doing good seem hard and unappealing. Amen? Now listen, I'm not, this isn't just about Lying, stealing, murdering, adultery, okay? It makes just doing good seem hard and unappealing. There are a lot of folks that knew they should have been at church this morning, but it just seemed so hard. And, and watching TV and laying around in our pajamas and sleeping late seems so appealing compared to six songs in a sermon. Right? See? Amen. Law of sin and death makes doing good seem hard and unappealing. And here's the other huge one. According to the Scriptures, it cannot be overcome by willpower alone. The law of sin and death cannot be overcome by willpower alone. Amen? Now, 
I'm going to skip down. We'll come back to this tonight. But we see that there is a third law. Aren't you glad for law number three? Law number three is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Now, notice the law of Moses written in stone. The law of sin and death written in your flesh. But the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is written not in your flesh, but it's written upon the fleshly tablets of your heart. It's written in your and upon your born again spirit. Let me give you some characteristics of it. It's written upon our born again spirit. It's a result of Jesus' obedience and completed work. It's the reason we're no longer comfortable practicing sin. It gives us the ability to overcome sin and live the life God created us to live. It makes doing right easy and enjoyable. Come on, anybody enjoyed being here this morning? It makes doing right easy and enjoyable. And when acted upon, enables us to rise above the law of sin and death. When acted upon, it enables us to rise above the law of sin and death. Amen. Now, let me give you one last passage. Galatians chapter 5. Are you good this morning? Praise God. I'm out of time, but let me give you one last passage. Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Okay? This does not mean you are not under the law of Moses. It means you are not under the law. What law is in your flesh? The law that's in your flesh is the law of sin and death. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus is how we can carry out and live by the laws written in stone, the law of Moses. Or we could say the moral code of God, the holy life that God created us to live. So if we live according to the flesh, we're going to be subject to what's written according to, right? What's written in the flesh. What's written in the flesh? The law of sin and death is written in your flesh. If you set your mind on the things of the flesh, you're going to live according to the flesh, which means you're going to live according to that law of sin and death that's written in your flesh. So he's going to give us a rundown of what that life looks like under the law of sin and death. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication. Adultery is sex between where one partner is married. Fornication is between two partners and neither are married, but again, it's outside of marriage. It's a sin. God said don't do it. God created sex. He could have created a form of procreation that had no pleasure associated with it. He created that and he gave that to you and me as a gift. The devil did not create that. God created that. The devil tries to take what God created to be a blessing and benefit to you and me 
and turn it around and twist it into something perverted that doesn't bring blessing and benefit and pleasure, but ultimately brings harm and pain and, 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 and shame and guilt and ultimately death. This is why when God created and gave to mankind the gift of sex, He gave us all kinds of rules and guidelines and commandments to govern its proper use. Right? Because it will blow up in your face really, really, really quickly like a time bomb if, if you don't watch it. Amen. And you say, well, that's the Old Testament, Pastor Mark. No, it's... It, it was, it was God before it was written in stone, and it's certainly God today. Amen. Uncleanness, lewdness, he goes on. Idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, uh, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. In other words, he's saying this isn't a complete list. Now, let me show you something here. This is New Testament, right? Every single one of the Ten Commandments are, are found in these verses and more. Are you with me on this? Okay. Just as I told you in time past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now again, I'm not trying to make anybody in here angry, but you listen to me please. This verse does not mean what a lot of people stand in the pulpit and tell you it means. It does not mean, as a born-again believer, if you practice these things, you're going to hell. Shall not inherit the kingdom of God. The word inherit there means to possess what's already yours. And as a born-again believer, the kingdom of heaven is already yours. I'll show you tonight in Luke 17, it's already in you. It belongs to you. But he's saying to born-again believers, if you have a fleshly mindset, you set your mind on the things of the flesh, you live according to the flesh, you will never possess in this life what belongs to you in this life. Sing your musicians, come on, praise God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. As they come... Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. Amen. He doesn't mean it's illegal to have peace. That's not what he's talking about here. He's saying there is no law, Moses or sin and death, right, that can, that can do away with or negate these because they're coming from that law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Verse 24, and those who are Christ's, those who belong to Him, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, every person who's born again lives in the Spirit. Let us also walk in the Spirit. There's a lot of people who live in the Spirit, but they walk in the flesh. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Stand with me. Praise God. Are you getting anything out of this this morning? We bit off a big chunk now. We're going, we're going to keep chewing. There's a lot that we... I skipped over a bunch of slides to get to those because I wanted to to give you at least an overview this morning 
of, um, of what we're talking about. We'll get down to some more details and specifics tonight. Praise God. Praise God. Just this morning, you say, Pastor Mark, I, I, I want to walk in the Spirit. I, I, that's, I want more of that. Amen. Walking in the Spirit. Just, amen. Let the redeemed say so. If that's you, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Amen. So how do we do it? How, how do we, do we just, watch me now, do we just go and try, try, try? No, you set your mind on the things of the Spirit. If you want to live according to the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, you've got to set your mind on the things of the Spirit. You can't walk in the Spirit with your mind set on the things of the flesh. It'll never happen. It'll never happen. I can tell you by ongoing, firsthand, multiple decades of experience, the more you set your mind on the things of the Spirit, the more you walk in all that belongs to you as a child of God. Amen. Amen. Father, you saw the hands that were raised here this morning. You saw the decisions, Lord, the, the declarations, the, the Lord, the, the solemn raising of the hand, like we were about to take an oath uh, in court or something like that, Father. It wasn't just a casual thing that we did. Lord, we're raising our hands and we're saying, this is what we want. This is what we desire. We're understanding more about it. And this is, Father, what we're going after. This is what we're going to pursue. And Father, thank you for the practical instructions that you've given us in your word. Lord, no doubt there are some here this morning who've been frustrated by things in their flesh, frustrated by things not changing quickly enough and, and still struggling with areas that they know they shouldn't be struggling in. And yet, Father, here's the answer. Here's the answer. To not focus more and more on the flesh, even if we're trying to fix something in the flesh. Father, to set our minds on the things of the Spirit to become more and more spiritually minded and to experience in our life reality more and more of what belongs to us by the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Thank you for your, your love this morning, Father. Thank you for showing us and teaching us and helping us. Lord, be serious about this. Lord, this is going to require time. It's going to require effort. It's going to require focus. It's going to require discipline. It's going to require consistency. It's going to require self-control, Father. And I thank you that you're helping us grow up in these areas of our character, Father, so that we might enjoy what belongs to us as sons and daughters of your kingdom. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want us to sing this together this morning before we're dismissed. Worship the Lord for a moment. Set your mind on Him. Amen. I know sometimes people in classes that I teach, they, they know that I got to be done at a certain time and it's like everybody starts getting their stuff together and packing up three minutes or whatever before. Listen, let's, amen, I know you're probably ready to go, but let's, let's take a moment, just for a moment, set our minds on the things of the Spirit. Let's practice it this morning, amen, and then we'll be dismissed together. Praise God.